Oh, the nerf work. I can't say much. My name was on there already, yeah, too. Exactly. They're signing up already. Huh? They're signing up already. They're signing up already for nerf work? Yeah. I do. I love it. I really do. I love it. Hey, guys, already signed up for nerf It's crazy. Hi, dude. Hey. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. All right. Let's go ahead and have a seat. I know we're fellowshipping, but we can fellowship after. We got some important business to get to, like no wars, the word of God. Thanks. Very important things. Not in that order, of course. Sorry, praise the Lord. Ty says from the peanut gallery. Sorry, little froggy. Ribbit. Ribbit. All right. Let's. Moving on. All right, y'all. Hi. How are you? Hello. Good. On this beautiful day. I love that the cold's gone, and now that I say that, it'll be 30 tomorrow. Um, my name's Cody. I'm one of the leaders here in the well. Um, so if you haven't already noticed, this is the Young Adults Ministry um, here at First Baptist Church. Why are you taking pictures of me, dude? I'm just going to knock your teeth out. Um, with the love of Jesus, of course. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, Corey Mears is, is the record button. That's uh, an inside joke. Coach be a part of one someday. Um, if you don't get that office reference, I'm sorry. Um, anywho, my name is Cody. I'm a leader here at the Well. Um, this is the young co uh, the college and careers ministry, the young adults ministry here at First Baptist. Um, so if this is your first time visiting with us, we love new faces. We love to have you guys here. Um, there's some connection cards out front. Um, fill one of them bad boys out. Just got, put your name on it. Um, Gives us a, a name to a face. Um, give that to me, Corey, or Nick by the end of the night. You get a free thing. And hey. Dude, I didn't even finish saying it. And my guy was already halfway through it. My boy Danny, coming through every week. MVP, let me tell you. Um, okay, so I got a couple announcements here, and they're on my phone, and I'm not prepared. So um, let me get prepared here. So, um, well, really, I only have two announcements. Um, so this Friday, we got some stuff going on. I don't know if you guys know about it or not. Um, dudes, we've got an Earth War going on. Um, I know I'm excited about it. This will be the last one because the weather's getting warm, so us nerds have to go outside, okay? Um, but, uh, but we're going to have one big final one. Um, I even, we're even starting it at 5 o'clock instead of 7 o'clock, so we're going to get two extra hours of playing time hanging out. So um, that'll be Friday. It's good Friday, so I know most of you are off except for, like, Alec and Nick, which sucks. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, hey, I'll be there. Um, but uh, so we'll start at 5 p.m. We'll meet in the gym. And that'll be a, like a soft five. So like say you can't make it right at five or whatever. That's cool. Come in whenever you can. Um, we'll be playing all night. Trust me, you won't miss out. <clears throat> if you are going to come, I ask that you bring five bucks for food. We're going to order some food. Um, we actually haven't settled on what we're ordering yet. Um, I'm going to just completely ignore that. Um, you're testing my patience, dude. Um, no, so we actually haven't decided what we're eating. So, dudes, if you got any cool suggestions, um, we did pizza last time. Let me, Corey, or Nick know. We're going to take suggestions, and we'll probably take the cheapest one. Um, and even if the cheapest one's not very cheap, we're going to do pizza again. So um, we're open to suggestions, though, so let us know. Um, like I said, we'll meet in the gym, 5 o'clock here at the church. Um, if you need help finding it, just go out the door and look over there. It's a giant building with a big white steeple on it. Um, come in the back door, back by the gym door. If you don't know it's where that's at, ask one of us. Um, ladies, you guys are going to be doing a painting night Friday night. 
Um, we did get the okay to do that in the barn, so that'll be at the barn at 7 p.m. Um, there won't be any food, so sorry, don't, I mean, if you want to bring five bucks, we'll probably take it, but uh, you're not eating. Um, there will be a light, there, huh? will, there will be light snacks. There will be light snacks. Ooh. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I, I, don't, I don't eat light snacks. Light. I only eat heavy snacks. Light bulbs. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's insulting or not. Um, uh, but like I said, that'll be in the barn. Um, I got two sign-up sheets that are going to go around. One of them's obviously the Nerf War. I just want to kind of get an idea of who's all showing up. Um, some of you guys are overachievers. I've already signed up before I even announce it. That's You'll love to see it. A um, couple things about the Nerf War, though, real quick. Uh, safety glasses are mandatory because we're a bunch of nerds who spend way too much money on Nerf guns that shoot harder than they should. Um, so please bring eye protection if you are planning to come. If you don't bring it, we will provide some for you. Um, what else was there? Anything? Missing anything? I think that's it, right? Okay, so I'm going to toss these uh, sign-up sheets around. I'm going to start them over here. So if you're planning on going to either the guys and or girls night and or, don't go to and. Don't, whatever. You know what I mean. Um, but sign up if you're planning on going to either of those. Um, other than that, Corey's going to come up and keep talking to us about Ephesians reading Paul's mail. So give it up. Is this on? This is good because, because this am, am I even am I even do I need okay cool. Um, so the first time you guys did that, my hair wasn't long enough to go, <laughs> but now it is. So, so thanks for that. That's how long you've been doing it. You've been doing it this long. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, praise the Lord. Um, anyways, so like he's, like Cody said, we are continuing our way through Ephesians tonight. But before we get there, um, let's just talk for a minute, if that's okay. Um, if you went to the FBC prayer meeting on Sunday, um, and maybe even if you didn't, um, you may or may not be aware that we spent some time specifically praying for the well and the transition that's coming for the well. And so in case you're not aware... Um, I'm not leading the well anymore. Um, I'm actually not even a pastor any longer, and I haven't, I actually haven't been working at the church for the last four or five weeks. Um, it's something that I've been struggling with um, since really late November, um, and, and the only people, and, and only the people who are like closest to me were even aware of the struggles I was having until recently. Um, and so I just need to make everybody aware of that, um, because is here. Um, so um, just know that, like, this was my choice. Um, man, I love you guys. We love you too, Corey. Thanks. You. Troy even said on Sunday that he tried to talk me out of it. And he actually did talk me out of it in early December when I tried to quit then. But I wasn't able to find peace about what I was struggling with. And so I'm not going to get into each and every little detail um, with you guys, but I will just say that God's used these last few months to kind of show me some things about myself that, that I was unaware of. 
He's just revealed some shortcomings in me that have made it impossible for me to, to feel confident that I was in leadership because he, uh, because he called me to be here. And that whole process kind of forced me to re-examine my entire life, which when you get to be 33 years old, your entire life is longer. Um, so it, it took me a minute to work through all that stuff. But I examined my entire life and, and the decisions that I made that brought me to where I was and this entire struggle that I've been through is just left me feeling like I've made decisions for the wrong reasons, which made me uncomfortable with, with having the level of influence that, that I have over the people of our church. And so I offered those thoughts and feelings and realizations to the Lord and just asked him what he wanted me to do with them. I talked all those through with Troy and Jeff and the entire thing was just, I was kind of in turmoil for, for a while. I tried to just stay and be focused on the ministry I was doing, but it became harder and harder for me to get excited about anything the Lord was doing as I seemed to have less and less peace as time went on. So I told Troy I just needed to step back from leadership, not run away from ministry, not avoid leadership forever, just take a step back. Because taking that step back would enable me to approach any leadership ministry or leadership opportunity God gave me in the future with the right heart attitude and with the confidence that he was the one asking me to lead instead of just knowing that it's what I wanted. I'm sorry, I wasn't expecting to be this emotional. It's been the hardest decision of my life, but God's given me peace. Uh, and he started to give me peace about it from his word as soon as I took that first step, which was like two months ago. And when I took that step, I told Troy that I actually think Nick Roth was the best guy to lead the well moving forward. But I also said, I don't think Nick Roth is going to agree with me on that. <laughs> so I offered to continue leading the well even after I was no longer a pastor for as long as I needed to um, before, before a new leader was found. Um, well, Nick agreed to lead the well after talking to Troy, um, so praise the Lord, and that's honestly the best thing that could have come out of this from, from my perspective, because Nick has been around the well for a long time, um, longer than me, and he's been helping lead in one form or another for, I, I guess, the past six years or so, um, and he's been directly helping me lead and teach for the last year and a half, and I'm grateful that God has worked things out the way that he has, because I genuinely believe that Nick is the best man to lead the well moving forward. So, um, I'm not going to be around on Tuesday nights much longer. Um, actually, last, next week will be my last week with you guys. And I'm going to miss you guys because I love you guys. I've said it before, you're quite literally my favorite group of people in the world, and, and I still mean that. So, I love you guys. Um, and I just look forward to seeing what God does with the well as, as he takes it into this new chapter um, with Nick. So, um, thank you guys for everything, and I'm sorry that I'm sniffly, um, so if anybody has a tissue on hand, I could really use it, <laughs> um, but if not, then then I'll just wipe with my sleeves in a little bit, and you can be like, oh, he's gross, and then I can remind you I'm 33 year old, years old, so I'm, a, I'm an old man. Um, so, for tonight, Nick said that I could talk about whatever I want. Um, thank you. And I dropped it. 
You got to be careful when your nose is running not to bend over because it falls out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute. Yeah, your first blank is don't drip. Um. <laughs> so for tonight, Nick said I could talk about whatever I want to talk about. Um, and so I didn't know what to talk about. So I'm just going to finish Ephesians chapter 2 because I don't like leaving things incomplete. So we'll get through Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and then I don't know what you guys are doing week after next. So come excited for that. Uh, But turn with me to Ephesians 2. Uh, We'll go through verses 11 through 22 uh, here tonight. Um, So I'll start reading verse 11. It says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For, though, for, though him we bo- for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit." So let's pray and we can dig in. God, I thank you so much um, for your word. And I thank you so much for the stuff we've been looking at through uh, the first couple chapters in Ephesians. Um, It's just so cool to be reminded of the things that you've done for us and the things that you've enabled us to do as a result of of the sacrifice you made and the purchase you made. And so, Lord, I pray that as we dig into the rest of Ephesians chapter 2 tonight, that we would just again be guided and directed to finding our purpose in you and seeing why it is you've done those things so that we can have a relationship with you and serve you with our lives. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, we are continuing the discussion that we started last week. And you can tell because verse 11 starts with the word, wherefore. And, um... Have you guys gotten to the rules of Bible study? How many of you are in the, the how to study the Bible class right now? Have you gotten to the rules of like what the different words mean? Like when you find the word wherefore, or maybe it's therefore, I don't know. Well, if you find the word wherefore, it's going to tell you what it's wherefore or therefore. or It's an important word in the Bible. So when you see the word wherefore, it's a conjunction. It connects things. So we're starting with wherefore, remember. So what he's saying is, because of all these things I just said, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles according to the flesh who are called uncircumcision, and then this whole passage. Well, last week, we talked about how God ordained us to walk in good works. He ordained us to do those things because that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's why he saved us. That's what he saved us to do. Well, tonight we're going to look at why that is, and, and again, we'll see some things that we need to keep in mind to help us make sure that we're living our lives the way the Lord wants us to, and to do that, 
We're just going to look at three different stages of our life regarding Christ, three different positions we have in life relative to him. That's why I titled tonight's message, It's All Relative, Um, not because truth is relative like most of the world wants you to believe, but because who we are at any given moment is relative to who Christ is and who we've allowed him to be in our lives. And so let's dig in. The first one of those positions is one that we used to have, and that's point number one, before Christ, we were irreparable. And irreparable just means irreparable, like you, you can't, can't be fixed. Um, and we see that in verses 11 and 12, which again say, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world." And so look, when Paul wrote this letter, again, we're, we're, we're looking at Paul's mail. Um, this is mail he sent, not mail he received. But when he wrote this letter, he was writing to people who would have been alive before Jesus' death on the cross. He was writing to people who were experiencing the transition between testaments, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because before his blood was shed and before that sacrifice was offered to anybody, not just anyone could be God's people. Only the nation of Israel was God's people, and that's what Paul's getting at here. Because at one time, Gentiles were without Christ. They were aliens from Israel. You didn't know aliens were in the Bible, did you? Wow, that's cool. They were foreigners. That's what the word aliens means. They were foreigners who couldn't get in on the relationship with God that the nation of Israel had. They were strangers from the covenants of promise. They didn't really have any hope because God didn't really give the Gentile nations much to look forward to. You can see throughout the Old Testament that God or that Israel was God's people. Uh, for example, you can see in Leviticus 26, verse 12, when he says to them, And I will walk among you, among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. So in the Old Testament, unless you were an Israelite, your ability to connect with the Lord was actually severely limited. And we can see from Ephesians chapter 4 that Gentiles were actually blinded, at least partially, Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So they couldn't see as well as the nation of Israel could because the nation of Israel was the one that God was interacting with. But God changed things in the New Testament, and now anyone can have a relationship with the Lord, no matter who you are. John 3.16, if you've ever been to summer camp, you probably memorized it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So now, whosoever can have that relationship with him, as long as that whosoever believes. And that whosoever is you and me. And that's really the doctrinal application of the passage that we're looking at tonight. Because collectively, the church is primarily made up of people who were Gentiles. God made a way for them to have a relationship with him by offering them Jesus on the cross to pay for their sins. Praise the Lord. But practically, there was a time in your life when you were an alien from the Lord as well. You were a stranger with no hope, stuck in bondage to the world. You were alienated by your works, like Colossians 1.21 says, when it says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. 
But like the Lord made a way for all Gentiles to have that relationship with him, he made a way to set you free from those works. Colossians 2.13 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And that's, that's what we talked about last week. Again, we're reminded of who we were, who we used to be, because we were hopeless before Christ. We had no way of repairing ourselves. We had no way of having a relationship with him. But if you got saved, then you're no longer before Christ. You're now in Christ. And that's point number two. In Christ, peaceable. And that's what we see in verses 13 through 18, which says, But now in Christ, now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make him in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father." And the thing that Paul makes clear here is that being in Christ actually makes everything better. It, it provides peace, as if that weren't obvious. Romans 8.1 communicates the same thing. It says, there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Because before Christ, all we really had was condemnation. But now that, there's, now that you're in Christ, there's no such thing as condemnation for you, because you're in Christ. 2 Corinthians talks about this too in verse, or chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So all those old things that used to keep you away from being one with Christ, well, those are gone. He makes all things new, even you. Because we used to be enemies with God, and that's why this is so important. Uh, there used to be enmity between us. And it's been that way for humans since the Garden of Eden. Um, actually, the first mention of the word enmity is actually God talking to Satan in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15 when he talks about putting enmity between him and the woman. But that enmity didn't just stop with Satan. And we can see in our text that he actually abolishes that enmity for us. But if you do a study on the word enmity, you'll notice that we can still let that enmity come between us and the Lord when we want to. James 4, verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So don't be a friend of the world. And don't have a carnal mind either, because Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. But Christ made a way to remove all of that enmity from our lives. We just have to be careful not to let it back in. Ultimately, he made us a way to have peace with God. And that's what was missing before our sin was dealt with. But like we've been talking about, now we have true redemption because of what he did for us on the cross. We saw that a few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, Ephesians 1, 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Because our sins have been fully dealt with. We don't have to pay for them anymore. Roman, or Revelations, or Revelation 1.5 says we've been washed 
from our sins by his blood. And that redemption is sure, it's secure. We've talked about that. That redemption allows us to have peace and reconciliation with the Lord. We've talked about that too. And that's what verses 16 through 18 tell us here in Ephesians 2, when it says, and that they might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace unto you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And that's the beautiful part, because now that we've been reconciled, we have access to the Father. We have the relationship with him that he wants us to have. We have that peace with the Lord so that we can uh, be in his presence and be loved by him and serve him with our lives. But the trick is Jesus Christ is the only thing that provides that access. Uh, John 14, 6 says, or Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to, unto the Father but by me. So that access to the Father only comes through Jesus Christ. He's the only one who could have made that possible. Uh, Hebrews 10, 19, and 20 say, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, he did all this for us so that we can have boldness to approach the Lord. He became a human being so he can die for us. And he did all that so that we could be spiritually alive again and be able to have that peaceful access to God and not be on opposite sides of the line from the Lord so that we could be on the same side. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He, he suffered for our sins so that he can bring us to the Lord. Don't forget that. Because, man, it's, it's, it's cool that getting saved lets us not have to worry about spending an eternity in hell separated from God. But, man, do you realize that getting saved allows you to have access to the Lord now in your life and allows him to live inside of you? and to use you, and allows you to come before him in prayer, and ask him what it is he wants from you, and ask him to, to, to just be with you, and to, to do life with you. That's incredible. Jesus was made a curse for us, to free us from the curse that we were stuck with before. That's what Galatians 3.13 says. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And man, that's the thing that we can understand now looking back at the Old Testament is that the law was a good thing because it provided a way for the nation of Israel to have a somewhat working relationship with the Lord. But man, that, that, that also came with a curse because the law only provided limited access to God. And it required a lot to, to, to just keep up and maintain and it wasn't sure and it wasn't secure. But now we have free, unhindered access to the Lord simply by accepting his gift of salvation. So now, Jesus is the only thing between us and the Lord, if you're saved. He's the only thing that is between you and the Lord, and he wants to give you the access that you need. He's in between you and the Lord so he can bring you to the Lord. First, th First Timothy 2, 5 through 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Man, that's why Jesus came to earth. That's why God came and put on human flesh and lived a human life so that, so that somebody who's 100% man and 100% God can be the mediator between man and God. He's the only one who could do it. 
and he did it. And being in Christ makes us peaceable with God. We have that free access to him now that we're not his enemies any longer. Now that he's abolished the enmity that once stood between us. But our salvation doesn't just allow us to exist in Christ. It also sets us upon Christ. And that's point number three. Upon Christ, you're connectable. And that's what we see in the last uh, four verses, in verses 19 through 22. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. And this is the thing that we can't let ourselves forget. Because being in Christ, well, that gives us a connection to each other that we didn't have before. Being in Christ makes us a part of something bigger than just ourselves. Because we're built together on the same foundation that Jesus laid with his apostles. And so collectively, as a group, we're a building fitly framed together. And together we grow into an holy temple for the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing that I don't want any of you forgetting as the well goes through this transition, man, stick together. Stick with Nick, stick with Cody, stick with Bruno. Christ has connected all of us together to navigate this dark world together, so allow him to grow you personally, but also allow him to grow you together as a group as a, and as a part of First Baptist Church because you're a part of something bigger than just you. You're a part of something so much bigger than any one person. So let's just keep serving the Lord together as a body and as a church as a temple that God lives in and ministers through. And so there's a few things on your sheet um, here in this last point that they, you really just need to keep in mind and step back and take inventory of what God has actually done in your life and in, in our life together. Because remember, we were foreigners, but now we're citizens. God bridged that gap and took us from being something that didn't belong to something that does belong. Um, Man, if you came to the prayer night on Sunday, we talked about how Kale got Hungarian citizenship, and what that means is he belongs in Hungary, and the Hungarian government can't say, hey, you don't belong here, get out, because they've agreed, no, you belong here. Well, that's what being a citizen is all about. And so we didn't belong with the Lord before, but we belong with the Lord now. He's made us citizens together of his eternal kingdom, because you see, without Christ, every, everyone is kind of the same in that they don't belong. Romans 3, uh, verses 9 through 11, say, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. So it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile anymore. You're under sin if you don't belong to the Lord. Verse 10, And as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. The passage goes on to describe how there's nobody good. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, but with Christ, well, we are together with everyone who puts their faith and trust in him. And so, again, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile because Jesus Christ's sacrifice cleanses you from your sin. Romans 3.29 says, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. It doesn't matter anymore. He's made a way for everyone to have that access. We are all given access to God now, and that's a beautiful thing that wasn't always the case. And so regardless of where you come from, even practically, like it doesn't matter what your history was. 
Well, if you give your life to the Lord, you're a part of his church now. And that's, and that's something that's really good to keep in mind. We can be truly united with people in a way that we couldn't before. The next thing to keep in mind is we were strangers, but now we're a family. And that's sort of incredible. God makes us a part of his family. Like, can you even believe that? We've talked in the weeks past, weeks prior about becoming the sons of God, which is something that he enables us to do out of the goodness of his heart so we can be conformed to his image. Like, give me a break. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may, all, may be also glorified together. We're not strangers anymore. We're closer to him than we could have ever hoped to be. We have an inheritance because he's adopted us as his children. He's made us his sons and offered us an eternal inheritance with him. Man, that's beautiful. The next thing on your sheet, we were without hope, but now we have peace. Um, like Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we couldn't have peace with God when there was sin in our life. But Jesus Christ deals with the sin in your life if you let him. And, and as soon as you choose to let him, the sin in your life is dealt with forever. And, and, and God makes you free and clear from that. And, and you can have that relationship with him again. Jesus gives us that peace with God. And, and having that peace with God, that gives us peace with each other as well. And now that we have peace with God and with one another, the next thing on your sheet is we are the temple of God together. Um, and, and 1 Corinthians 3.16 is really all the farther you got to go to see that. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. The Holy Spirit dwells inside each and every one of us, and that means we are God's dwelling place on the earth together. We are where the worship of the Lord happens. We are what God uses to reach the world with his word and with his love. Um, you know, I was thinking as I was reading through this, and I wasn't going to talk about it, but whatever. It's my last time up here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. Um, there was a missions conference years ago uh, when the guy who was talking just did a study on, on the temple and the different temples you find in the Bible between the tabernacle and the temple in Jerusalem and the other temple in Jerusalem and the eternal temple. Well, the temple in the Old Testament was the place where worship of God happened. Everybody had to come to the temple to worship the Lord and to, to meet him because that's where God lived on the earth. Well, we are the temple of God now and, and we're a temple that has feet and God just happens to tell us to go to, to all the world. So God realized, again, God realized. God doesn't have a place on earth where he expects people to come to meet him. He expects his temple to go to them. And we're only going to be able to do that if we do it together. The Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us. We're God's dwelling place. We are where the worship happens and we're where, the, we're where the rubber meets the road. And if we don't do our job that he gives us to do, then, then who's going to do it? That's why Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. 
Because God doesn't live in a building. He lives in us. We are his building that he constructed on his foundation that he laid. So how we serve him matters. We together are the vehicle that God chooses to use to reach the world and build his spiritual kingdom. So like Timothy, we ought to let God's word tell us how we ought to behave ourselves, both individually and together. So man, consider these things as we wrap up tonight. Never forget your position before you met Christ. You were alone. You were a stranger. You had no hope. You had no purpose. But when you met Christ and put your faith and trust in him, he changed all of that for you. He gave you peace with him so you aren't his enemy any longer. He gave you a purpose so you could serve him with your life and make a difference in his kingdom. He gave you a family that you can love and be a part of and serve him with. And he made you part of his temple, his house, where he wants to live, where he comes home at the end of a long work day. The vehicle that he uses to reach the world, he made you a part of that. And so, listen, Ephesians is all about finding your purpose in him, and part of finding that purpose is understanding who you were in your sin and then understanding who he made you to be. He's made a way for us to be redeemed and have the access to the Lord that we, we need to be transformed into his servants. So, you want to find your purpose? Well, get saved if you haven't already. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Trust in his sacrifice to pay for your sins. It's really that easy. And it comes with so much more than just escaping eternity in hell separated from him forever. You become a son of God. You become a part of his temple. You become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You become what God wants to use to reach the world. He gives you a purpose. But once you're saved, man, find your purpose by seeking him, by genuinely seeking him and what he wants from your life. Dig into his word every single day and let it dig into you. Talk to him in prayer and express your desire to serve him with your life however he sees fit and then just commit to doing whatever it is you need to do to get on God's plan for your life. Follow him with everything you have and stick close to your brothers and sisters in Christ around you. Let's serve the Lord and, and, and find, find our purpose together. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much again for, for just the simplicity of the stuff we've been looking at in Ephesians. Oh man, it's one thing to understand salvation and, and put our faith and trust in you, but it's another thing entirely to examine all the things that you want from us and all the reasons why you chose to save us the way you did. Lord, you want us to be your sons and we're grateful for that. You want us to be citizens in your kingdom and, and we're grateful for that. You want us to be part of your temple and we're grateful for that. And so, Lord, all we have to offer you is our lives. We love you because you first loved us and, and we are only grateful for everything that you've done for us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave tonight,